You're listening to Bloom in Tech with David Bloom. This podcast sponsored by Fabric Media in Venice, California. Hey everybody, it's David Bloom here again with another episode of Bloom in Tech. Wanted to talk about what I call Hollywood's makeover year. 2018 was quite the annus horribilis for many folks and a year to remember regardless. In a makeover worthy of Sunset Boulevard's Norma Desmond, and nearly as destructive as the ending of that show, that classic movie, 2018 was the year Hollywood changed irrevocably. Consolidation swallowed up two traditional entertainment companies and most of another, while putting seemingly every mid-sized media company on the trading block. Fear of giant tech interlopers loomed ever larger as new distribution platforms, transformative business models, and evolving consumer habits changed the town's once immutable verities. But whether Hollywood is ready for this tech-driven close-up, Mr. DeMille, is another question altogether. Regardless, it's possible 2018 was the most momentous year in Hollywood's roughly 110 years of existence, right up there with the birth of the movie business in Los Angeles in the 19-teens, the arrival of talkies and color film around the 1930s, and the rise of broadcast television in the 1950s and cable TV in the 1980s. Now we're deep into peak TV, where tens of billions of dollars are being spent to buy content, restructure companies, and position content to better capture the attention and wallets of consumers in our onrushing online entertainment future. For the first time, the online streaming services produced more scripted shows than did all of the traditional broadcast and basic cable networks, according to FX. The total number of scripted shows from all sources continued to grow, up another 1.6% to 495, far outstripping any human's ability to watch them all within a single year. Amid that tectonic shift in programming sources, several big deals either went through or are about to close, while layoffs and shutdowns hit lots of places and everyone battened down in fear of a stormy 2019. And amid all of this, lots of companies are still making lots of money. It's just going to different places. The year's biggest deal belonged to the nation's biggest telecom company, AT&T, which in May beat the U.S. Department of Justice lawsuit attempting to block its $85 billion acquisition of Time Warner. Since winning that decision, a government appeal continues but seems unlikely to prevail, the company has reshaped Time Warner's sprawling holdings, renamed it Warner Media, and announced plans for a streaming service late next year built on the assets from Warner Brothers, Turner, and HBO that it just picked up. Even with the new service, Warner Media still decided to extend its deal with putative future competitor Netflix to stream Friends the 1990 sitcom and syndication hit that found new life with a new generation online. The one-year, $100 million price tag, the previous four-year deal was worth $30 million, was a mark of the value that dependable comfort food programs still have, even on new platforms. With that in mind, John Stanky, AT&T's new head of its entertainment division, alarmed HBO veterans when he told an all-hands meeting in June that the hugely profitable critical darling would need to dramatically increase the content it produces so it can better compete with Netflix and other tech giants online. Despite HBO's dozens of Emmys and hefty revenues, the premium channel must create, quote, hours a day, unquote, of new programming for the future, Stanky said. Even as AT&T moves its big brands online more aggressively, it also shut down several smaller units that were already there. 
It closed Digital Studio Super Deluxe, Korean soap opera site Drama Fever, and classic movie streamer Filmstruck. AT&T also reorganized other digital holdings, merging gamer-focused machinima into Otter Media, putting it with Crunchyroll, Rooster Teeth, and Verve. Otter's full screen broke into three units for talent management, branded content, and influencer marketing, and closed full screen direct. Overall, Otter laid off 10% of its workforce, about 140 positions. Disney still hasn't closed its own mega-merger, the $71 billion acquisition of much of 21st Century Fox, but Disney nonetheless reshaped its operations, cherry-picking Fox executives such as Dana Walden to run its expanding TV and film units. Its movie unit continued to roll, breaking $7 billion in worldwide box office on December 9th, only the third time any studio has hit that exalted level in a year. Disney had four of the year's top ten grossing hits, including The Avengers Infinity War, Black Panther, Incredibles 2, and Ant-Man and the Wasp. Still to be resolved from the Disney's Fox acquisition, the fate of 22 regional sports networks that were included for tax purposes in the deal. Antitrust requirements will force Disney to sell the networks in a multi-round auction that continues. Also up in the air is whether the biggest of the RSNs, the Yes Network in New York, will be included. The Disney sale triggered a provision that allows the New York Yankees to buy back the portion of the channel it doesn't already own. Also unresolved is what Disney will do with Hulu, the big online service that reaches 54 million subscribers worldwide. With the Fox deal, Disney will own 60% of Hulu. Comcast has 30% and WarnerMedia 10%. Like WarnerMedia, Disney will launch a standalone streaming service in late 2019 called Disney Plus and featuring shows from Star Wars, Pixar, Marvel, National Geographic, and Disney units such as ABC. Hulu now appears to be the future online home of more adult-skewing units such as FX and Fox Searchlight, but it's unclear how Disney will further differentiate the two services. The slimmed-down Fox is also figuring out its future, minus many top executives and substantial parts of its operation, with a new focus on news, sports, and live programming. One of its biggest remaining assets, the Fox News Channel, just debuted an online streaming app featuring many of its non-news stars in non-news original shows such as Cooking and History. It will also stream political commentary during the day for the channel's superfans. But Fox had some tough losses, too. After fending off Comcast bids in the Disney sale, Rupert Murdoch's clan lost out to the Philadelphia cable giant when it tried to buy a controlling interest in European satellite TV powerhouse Sky. Comcast's winning bid for the controlling percentage was a hefty $38.8 billion. Fox then sold its existing minority stake in Sky to Comcast for another $15 billion. That gave Comcast a huge foothold in Europe as it continues to transform beyond the United States and beyond traditional cable TV. Comcast already has more Internet customers than cable subscribers in the United States, now it also has Sky's 23 million European satellite TV subscribers and such content units as Sky News. Corporate and courtroom maneuvering hamstrung two other big media companies for most of the year. CBS and longtime CEO Les Moonves attempted a palace coup against majority shareholder Sherry Redstone and her national amusements, which also controls Viacom. Redstone's board faction had pushed CBS to merge back with Viacom, but CBS executives said Viacom's underperforming pay TV networks made it less attractive to major bidders. 
Eventually, the Moonves push failed, abetted by revelations about Moonves's sexual improprieties with a number of women. Moonves resigned, and just this week, after two investigations were concluded, CBS said it had officially fired Moonves for cause, and he would not receive $120 million in severance. With Moonves out, the court case between Redstone and CBS settled with a near-complete restructuring of the CBS board and Redstone firmly in control. Emerged CBS Viacom still seems likely, if not certain. Amid all of CBS's boardroom battles, Viacom CEO Bob Backish embarked on a string of acquisitions to make his company more relevant to the young audiences that once watched channels such as Nickelodeon, MTV, and Comedy Central. The company acquired celebrity influencer marketing consultancy Husay, influencer conference company VidCon, and online video provider Awesomeness TV. Viacom also led a $15 million strategic investment in PocketWatch, the surging children's online video site that now will also create content for Nickelodeon. Moonves's forced departure and multiple reports of sexual misconduct was only one of the highest-profile cases of the Me Too movement impacting the traditional structures and behaviors of Hollywood. Indie film kingmaker Harvey Weinstein, long a taste-making award-season powerhouse, now faces criminal charges. Comedian Bill Cosby was convicted of rape charges and sentenced to jail. And a long string of other prominent Hollywood executives, producers, and other insides were either fired, forced out, or shunned because of their bad behavior. While the sudden fall of Moonves, Weinstein, Cosby, comedian Louis C.K., and others reverberated around the town, and many female creators and executives felt emboldened about new possibilities in their careers and lives, it's less clear how permanent will be this particular dramatic change in the way Hollywood has long operated. As much as Me Too began to change the psychological geography of Hollywood, new players began to shift its physical center of gravity, too. Netflix took over a number of production facilities and offices in the actual Hollywood neighborhood of Los Angeles, but most big new developments happened in the West Side areas such as Culver City, where Apple, Amazon, and HBO are building big new facilities, Santa Monica and West Los Angeles, where Snap and Riot Games have come in, and Playa Vista, where Google took over the Spruce Goose hangar and turned it into a gorgeous new facility. The biggest online streamer, Netflix, continued to double down on original programming, spending $12 billion on content as it prepared for more competition in 2019 from not just WarnerMedia and Disney, but also Apple, Walmart, and dozens of smaller operations, plus incumbents such as Hulu and Amazon's Prime Video. For a time this spring, before the Disney and Comcast deals came through, Netflix actually had a larger market capitalization than either. It finished the year with 137 million subscribers in 192 countries. Netflix also had some big programming successes. It won more Emmys than any other network, breaking HBO's 16-year streak at the top. It also made deals with Oscar contenders Roma from Alfonso Cuaron, a film I strongly recommend you see, and The Ballad of Buster Scruggs from the Coen brothers. It even agreed to run its own, more limited version of an awards campaign to support both of those, changing its long-held approach at day-and-date releases online and in theaters. Two sweet teen rom-coms to all the boys I've loved before and The Kissing Booth top Netflix's list of most popular movies on the year. Amazon kept expanding its operations entertainment and seemingly every other industrial sector, 
Prime Video has as many as 75 million users binging on shows such as The Marvelous Mrs. Mizell, which nabbed five Emmys, including Best Comedy Series. Amazon's streams of nine NFL Thursday night games were seen by a combined 20 million viewers on Prime and Twitch, its gamer-focused live streaming site. Twitch also drew a record 600,000 simultaneous viewers to watch a match featuring music superstar Drake and the best-known video game influencer Ninja on the world's most popular game, Fortnite. Amazon is quietly building a presence as the enabler of build-your-own skinny bundles of premium streaming services. Prime Video users are able to subscribe to about 155 other pay channels, from HBO to Pongolo, Shudder, and Cheddar, generating an estimated $1.7 billion in revenue this year, much of it going to the channels themselves. Smaller online sites fared worse. Verizon killed mobile entertainment site Go90, Defy Media collapsed, film site Fandor laid off nearly all its employees pending a sale, and online darlings Vox, Vice, and BuzzFeed had layoffs, restructuring, or other retrenchment. Verizon, moving away from entertainment under a new CEO, wrote off a whopping $4.6 billion in its digital entertainment unit, Oath, and sold off photo-sharing app Flickr. Local broadcast TV, meanwhile, may become relevant again. Sinclair, the nation's largest broadcast group, couldn't close a $3.9 billion deal for Tribune's 42 stations, but Nexstar bid $6.4 billion, including debt, for Tribune at year-end. Much more deal-making is expected in 2019 as Nexstar divests 13 stations to get its deal approved. Raycom and Gray's deal was approved at the end of the year. More to come. Sinclair, meanwhile, is launching STIR, a local-focused online service featuring news and sports from its stations along with syndicated content and topicals, talk shows on the news, entertainment, and the like. Local stations and some tech providers also strongly backed ATSC 3.0, broadcast standards expected to be fully implemented by 2020 that will allow stations to transmit as many as five channels in the same amount of spectrum or provide other data services. ATSC 3.0 will also allow addressable, targetable, interactive programming and ads. And this year, plumped by the Olympics, the midterm elections, and other cyclical ad drivers saw local station revenue hit an estimated $21.1 billion, while airtime dedicated to news grew to 5.7 hours a day, up 54% since 2003. Having survived 2018, many in Hollywood may be dreading what may be coming in 2019. Additional deals appear certain, especially among broadcasters and smaller media companies such as CBS, Viacom, Lionsgate, and MGM. More competition will hit streaming services, and viewers may be challenged to figure out which shows to watch and where they can find them. But through it all, 2018 will have set the stage for Hollywood's massive makeover. So that's my piece this week. I hope you like it. I'd love to hear what you think were the most important changes in Hollywood this year and where they're going. Drop me a note and please support our sponsors. I will talk to you soon. This is David Bloom, over and out. You've been listening to Bloom in Tech. I am your host, David Bloom. Thanks so much. And our podcast has been sponsored in this episode by Fabric Media in Venice, California. Take care, everyone. Thank you.